You're listening to the Hope Assembly podcast with Pastor Ryan Day. For more information, you can visit us online at hopeassembly.org. Please enjoy this week's sermon. Hey, good morning, church. Thanks again for tuning in this Sunday. Um, Happy Palm Sunday. We're at the beginning of Holy Week. Uh, Who would have thought that we'd be spending it at our homes um, watching via live stream? But this is the situation we're in, and we're going to make the best of this situation. As you can tell, we've done things a little bit differently this morning. Uh, And so special thanks to Josiah and Jocelyn for welcoming everybody and for Jordan and Alyssa for that beautiful time of worship together and for the Mitchell family reading our key scripture um, this morning. And so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 21, the scripture that was read earlier. But before I get there, I do want to say we are going to continue our series, The Psalms and the Soul, today. Um, because there's a particular psalm that I want to talk about that ties into Matthew 21 that was just read. Um, I was thinking about this the uh, other day as I was preparing. When I was younger, I spent most of my uh, Sunday school mornings uh, wandering around the parking lot of a small Assemblies of God church in Port Orchard, Washington. Um, Every Sunday, a van would come and they would pick me and my brothers up and take us to church for Sunday school. And inevitably, just about every Sunday, or find some way to get kicked out of Sunday school, if you can imagine, to get kicked out of Sunday school and would be wandering around the parking lot until the van would take us home. Now, there aren't many things that I remember from those early days of the Sunday school. Thank God for his grace. Am I right? Uh, There aren't many things I remember, but there's one thing in particular that I remember, and that was a song that we used to sing in Sunday school. Maybe you sang this song as well, but it went something like, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord, like you would call and repeat, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made it go back and forth. I will rejoice, I will rejoice and be glad in it and be glad in it. And we would sing this song pretty often in Sunday school. And uh, though I don't remember much from those early church days, that song has always stood out to me. And what I didn't realize when we were singing it in Sunday school, that it was actually a psalm. Not that it would have mattered for me in those days. I was just looking for ways to get kicked out of Sunday school. But as I grew older, I recognized and found that that was actually a psalm that we were singing. This is the day that the Lord has made. It's from Psalm chapter 118, and it's really verses 24 through 26. Let me let me read them for you here out of the scripture. It says this, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. 26 says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. As I said earlier, today is Palm Sunday. And um, this psalm that we're talking about here is a prophetic call to Palm Sunday. It's signaling Palm Sunday. And so as we read the text earlier, the Mitchell family read the text earlier out of Matthew chapter 21 verses 1 through 11. You can stay there in your Bible or go back to there if you'd like. Um, What we have in that story or in that text is the story of Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. It's a very common um, story because it's a story that we reflect upon almost every Palm Sunday. Matter of fact, it's where we get the idea of Palm Sunday. 
When we look at Jesus' triumphal entry, here's what's happening. This is the beginning, as I said earlier, of Holy Week, the beginning of Passover week. And this story of his entry into Jerusalem is recorded in all four Gospels, although a little bit different in every one. It's recorded. It's so important that every Gospel makes notation of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. At this time, because of this great feast and festival, all of the Jews would be making their pilgrimage to Jerusalem at this moment to celebrate the Passover feast or the Passover festival. And so Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey from the Mount of Olives. Now, as he rides in, you've heard the story before. As he rides in, the people begin to respond to Jesus coming into Jerusalem. Here's some of the things that they began to do. One, they spread their cloaks upon the ground, the roadway that he was riding upon. Two, they were waving palm branches. This is where we get the idea of Palm Sunday. They were waving palm branches. And then they were shouting praise as Jesus rode in to Jerusalem. Now, all of these things that the people were doing had great significance to them. Let me just line it out briefly what was significant about each one of them. First, the cloaks that they laid down was sort of the sign of a coronation of a new king. You can go back into the Old Testament, the book of Kings, and you can find where Jehu was anointed as a new king. And this was the very thing that they did as they anointed him or coronated him as the new king. They laid their cloaks down in front of him as he came in, a symbol of, of sort of submitting themselves to the new king that's in town. The palm branches, the waving of the palm branches also have significance. This is something that the Jews would do to signify the victory of their warrior kings. This is a throwback to sort of the Maccabean era, um, the Maccabean period. In effect, what they're saying as they're waving these palm branches is they're saying that we're ready for a warrior king and that we're ready for war. Ready to, uh, in some ways, overthrow Rome, who had been their oppressor for some time at this point. And then they were shouting, and they were shouting particular phrases like, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And if you didn't catch it already, let me point it out. This is actually a direct quote from Psalm 118, what we just read. This is the prophetic, Psalm 118 was the prophetic declaration that salvation would come. And here on the very first uh, Palm Sunday, we have Jesus riding in on the back of a donkey and the people are making declarations of coronating a new king, of saying we're ready to go to battle with our new warrior king and declaring that salvation has now come to Jerusalem in Jesus. Now, um, this day that the scripture talks about, Psalm 118 says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Now that confused me for a long time. What, what day are we talking about? Are we talking about just a random ode to every day? Are we talking about a particular day? And many biblical scholars believe that what Psalm 118 is referring to when it says, this is the day that the Lord has made, is that they're referring to a particular day that the Lord has made. It's not an ode to some random day or every single day. Rather, it was speaking to the prophecy that was given way back in Daniel. 
I'm not going to read it, but in Daniel chapter 9, verses 25 through 26, you can go read that. There's a specific timeline that Daniel gives in a prophecy. And in that timeline, he declares when the anointed one would enter Jerusalem, when the deliverer, the anointed deliverer would enter Jerusalem. And it's a specific timeline. He gives the years and the dates in which we could we could expect or hope for the deliverer of Israel to show up coming to Jerusalem. In that timeline, many scholars believe predicted perfectly to this particular day that we read out of Matthew chapter 21, the original Palm Sunday when Jesus came riding in. This was the exact day they believed that Daniel declared. And so therefore, they are celebrating the fact that the anointed one has come, the one who would come to deliver them. It makes a lot more sense now when we read the story about Jesus riding in on the back of a donkey into Jerusalem on this particular Palm Sunday to start Passover that the children of Israel had been looking for, waiting for, longing for a deliverer to come to them. And they'd probably have been counting the calendar days until that would happen. And here comes Jesus on this particular day that was prophesied way back in Daniel, probably 500 and some years earlier, maybe almost 600 years earlier. Here comes Jesus riding in on the back of a donkey, and they're hoping that he's going to deliver them from the hands of Rome, their oppressor. And it's true. Palm Sunday signifies the moment when Jesus did come. He has come to deliver them, just not in the way that they expected or in the way that they hoped. See, that's the beauty of Palm Sunday. That's the beauty of Passover. This is why we celebrate Jesus right now, because it isn't what they thought it was, and thank God it isn't. What we see as Jesus rides in on this donkey on the first Palm Sunday is this, that every moment of the Messiah riding in on that Palm Sunday, every moment of the Messiah was declaring the mercy of God. Every moment. I think about it Uh, Pope Francis said this about Jesus's life. He said, Jesus is the face of the Father's mercy. So as we see Jesus riding in on the back of this donkey into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, what we're seeing is the face, the very tangible face of God, the mercy of the Father in Jesus. And we know that the scripture tells us that the Father is rich in mercy, that the Father is so abounding in mercy, that mercy is a cornerstone characteristic of God. A scripture we refer to all the time is in Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 and 7, when God declares to Moses who he is. He says, this is who I am. This is my name. And he says, I am Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful The first thing that he says about himself is that he's merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. God is rich in mercy and Jesus is declaring the mercy of God with every movement on this path in Palm Sunday. Or Psalm 86, verses 15 and 16, it says this, the psalmist more than likely is quoting Exodus 34, he says, but you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and 
faithfulness. God is so full of graciousness. He's so full of mercy. And as we see Jesus riding in on the back of the donkey on Palm Sunday, what we see is the mercy of God. Every movement declaring the mercy of God. So let me share with you just briefly a few moments of mercy that we see coming from Jesus as he rides in to Jerusalem. The first thing that I want to share with you is that, it, that Jesus is riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. Jesus rode in on a donkey. This, as uh, Matthew points out, was to fulfill the prophecy of Zechariah in chapter 9 verses 10 and 11 or verses 9 and 10 where specifically declares that he would come riding in lowly and humble on the back of a donkey. It is no accident that Jesus has chosen a donkey to ride into Jerusalem. Why is this important, you might ask? Because conquering kings don't ride on donkeys. They ride on horses. In particular, they ride on war horses. More than likely, as Jesus was riding in from the east, a Roman imperial procession of troops was riding in from the west. There would be a cavalry entering the city together, headed by Pilate. It would be quite the spectacle of this entire army rolling in from the west with Pilate leading them for one purpose and one purpose alone to keep the peace and make sure that the Jews don't rise up against Rome as they all gather to celebrate Passover. And so from the west, you have Pilate and the Roman army rolling in on their horses and their chariots and their swords and their shields. And on the other side, coming from the east, you have Jesus on a lowly donkey riding in. Jesus didn't ride into Jerusalem to incite a insurrection, uh, at least not as they had hoped. He rode in on a donkey, which was a symbol of peace, to declare that he is the Prince of Peace. And so we see the mercy of God even on the very thing that Jesus is riding in upon. The very donkey that Jesus rode upon was declaring to the people that he was a king of peace, that he was a prince of peace. Notice he didn't stop anyone from declaring him king, but the way that he rode in made a declaration in and of itself that he would be a merciful king, a peaceful king. That indeed he did come to overthrow Rome, but not by war horse, not by shields and swords, but by the power of the kingdom of God. It was love that was driving him. It was mercy. Mercy was in his, in his every movement. Brian Zahn said this about Jesus riding in on a donkey. Jesus was not the second coming of any Jewish war hero. No, he was the first coming of the Prince of Peace. See the mercy in how Jesus even approached the city on the back of a donkey. The second thing that I see in these movements of mercy in this story is that Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. Now, this wasn't recorded in Matthew's gospel in chapter 21, but it is recorded in Luke's account of the triumphal entry. That is, Jesus draws near to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. As he approaches Jerusalem, he stops, and the scripture says that he begins to weep over Jerusalem. Why is he weeping over Jerusalem? Because Jerusalem and the Jews do not comprehend how he's going to bring peace. 
They, they want war. They want a warrior king. They want someone who will rise up in an insurrection and lead them in a revolution against Rome, overthrow Rome, and establish Israel once again as a, as a superpower. But Jesus did not come to do that. And he's weeping over them because Jesus knows that war begets war. Jesus knows that blood begets blood. And so instead of coming in to incite war and knowing that the heart of the people is that they want to battle against Rome, Jesus weeps over the people because they long for something that inevitably they will get. Inevitably, they will try to rise up. Inevitably, inevitably they will fail and it will cause great pain and destruction of Jerusalem and destruction of the temple. Notice that Jesus' mercy here, as he comes and weeps over Jerusalem, he could have very easily, I mean, he's the king of kings, he is the prince of peace, he is the son of God, he could have very easily, instead of weeping with compassion and mercy for the, for the Jews and for Jerusalem, he could have very easily been frustrated with Jerusalem's response, with the response of the Jews, and could have condemned them, and with seething anger could have spoke against them, but instead of speaking against them, what did he do? He wept for them. Why? Because his heart was filled with mercy and compassion for the people that he had come to set free. The third movement of mercy that I see here is where Jesus entered. Jesus entered Jerusalem from the east gate. And it's by no accident that Jesus is entering from the east gate. It is the gate that opens up to the Mount of Olives where Jesus is coming from. And it's also the gate that essentially leads directly into the temple courts. So the east gate is one of the 11 gates that were around the city of Jerusalem. And the, the east gate is actually the oldest gate of Jerusalem. You're like, why is this important? Well, this east gate is not just referred to because of its geographic location, but it also had other names that were pretty important. It was called the Gold Gate. The Gold Gate. It was called the Beautiful Gate. You hear about Peter and John going to the Gate Beautiful to go to pray, and that's where they healed the lame man in Acts. It's called, it's the same gate. It's the gate called the Beautiful Gate. Um, it's called the Gate of Eternal Life. That's a powerful one. But in Hebrew, this particular gate that Jesus went through in Hebrew is known as the gate of mercy. That Jesus was entering the city of Jerusalem to begin Holy Week through a gate of mercy. I can't emphasize it enough that Jesus is all about the love of the Father towards people. The mercy of God is breaking through every movement of Jesus into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Think about the idea that it's called the gold gate. Is there anything as precious, as pure as the mercy of God? The beautiful gate. Is there anything as beautiful as the mercy of God being poured out for people? Jesus moves through the gate of mercy. The God of mercy chose to enter through the gate of mercy. And then lastly, number four, the last thing is that Jesus took the path of the Paschal. 
Jesus took the path of the Paschal. This path that Jesus is on, this way that Jesus took has great significance. It was the path of the Paschal or the Passover lambs. Every year, the the shepherds of David would raise hundreds of thousands of lambs on the hillside so that they could be brought in as the sacrificial lambs to commemorate Passover Sunday. And here they are driving. This would be the way that, 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 that the... Um, that the shepherds of David would drive these lambs. They would bring them down from the hills and they would bring them through the mercy gate, through the east gate, the gate of mercy, so that they can be inspected to see if they were without, without spot or without blemish, would they be or sufficient enough to be a sacrificial lamb for Passover. And Jesus is on this same exact path coming from the hillside of Mount Olives, Jesus takes the way of the Paschal Lamb through the gate of mercy. The people asked as he came through the gate, who is this? They may not have recognized it at the moment, but this is Jesus. This is the one true and final Paschal Lamb. This is the anointed salvation who takes away the sins of the world. John the Baptist, when he first saw Jesus, made the declaration, Behold the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Paul later would refer to Jesus as Christ, our Passover Lamb, who has been sacrificed for us. The Apostle Peter made this declaration. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless and spotless Lamb of God. There's a reason why Jesus chose the path of the Paschal Lamb, because Jesus was walking as the final Paschal, Passover Lamb, the one who would take away the sins of the world. So as we think about the beginning of Holy Week, as we begin to prepare for Holy Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Monday, Thursday and Good Friday, and Silent Saturday leading into Resurrection Sunday, we have to remember that everything that was happening in this Passion Week, everything that was taking place, even this day, Palm Sunday, was a declaration of the mercy of God. And church, in the season that we're in, we have got to recognize that God is merciful. He is abounding in mercy towards us, that he is so greatly and deeply in love with you and me. And he longs for us to come to him with everything that is going on in our lives and lay them at his feet so that he can care for us. This is the day. This is the day of God's mercy. This is the day that the Lord has made for us on this Palm Sunday. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let me pray. God, we're so grateful that you sent your son Jesus to be the sacrificial lamb for our sins. Jesus, thank you for laying down your life for us so that we could receive the life that you have. Lord, we pray as we prepare for this holy week, 
we ask God, cause our hearts and minds to be directed, our eyes to be directed towards the passion of Christ, the mercy of the Messiah who would come to Jerusalem for the sake of giving his life for the sins of the world. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. It's our desire to lead people to know Christ and to make him known. If you'd like to support the ministry of Hope Assembly, go to hopeassembly.org. Thank you for listening and God bless.